Thanks for tuning in again, everybody. We're back with your favorite podcast, Lucas, Tigers, and Bronze. Oh, my. So, Luca Nation, happy Saturday. Happy Saturday. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Lucas, Tigers, and Bronze. Oh, my. And uh, this is a tale as old as time. I can't win with my team. I'm going to go to a different team. When that team doesn't perform, we're going to see some off-season moves. So I'm queuing you in. This Lakers team is in shambles. Oh, if, I thought you were gonna, like I thought you were leaving Luka Nation. I was like, what do you no, mean? We no, win no. every day. We win every day. You were taking you're taking your talents to South Beach on me and not telling no, me. No, 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 no. How he's we gonna announce every, this? Oof. We win every day because we, we we don't uh, we don't give up on our people. But um, here's a, here's a tale as old as time. If you if you go on Instagram, you'd think that this guy is playing at a world class level. He's you know I love these posts. You know. Uh, who else was doing this at 38 years old? 29 points a game, six rebounds and six assists, uh, glamorizing it like it's some kind of feat. But here we are in uh, territory we've seen before. So w- what do you think the future is for this uh, Lakers team who just got demolished? Can I tell you something? Minnesota Timberwolves. Just real quick, Minnesota Timberwolves game. I, I want to contextualize it. Minnesota Timberwolves team without Anthony, uh, Anthony Edwards, or uh, what's his? Why can't I remember him? Uh, the lefty, a killer. Uh, I always forget his name. You guys know what I'm talking about. Uh, D'Angelo lefty Russell. Killer. D'Angelo yeah. Russell. And lefty killer. I use that tongue in cheek. By the way, Philly Specs, quit trolling us on YouTube. Ben Stiller is a top ten actor. He has to understand you're Jewish, so Jewish actors like Adam Sandler and Ben Stiller get moved up forty or fifty spots because of that. <laughs> I'm not Jewish. So I'm listen, a man of faith. We just had this conversation this week with a potential sponsor. We did. We did. Somebody said, "Are you Jewish?" And you said, "I'm a man of faith." I so literally responded. Like, and, and by the way, that ended the entire. He said, "I don't think we're going to be able to do business." Exactly. That was the end of it. So, I was going to give away so fifty free grade free grades to your community, but I've decided to do it to not do that. That's you can't have. Just it. kidding. Just kidding. So, did you watch the game? I watched the entire game from beginning to end, man. I watched the entire game. And at one point, uh, the Lakers started to make a run, right? They cut. They had like an 11-0 run, and they cut it to three, I think the lead was, in the third quarter. And then, then of course, the NBA is a game of runs. And then then Minnesota went on a run, and they had like an 11-0 run, and they just, they just put them in the rearview mirror. And there was a point where, end of third quarter, beginning of fourth quarter, I'm watching the game. Anthony Davis had gotten hurt for the second time in the game. We could talk about Davis in a second, right? Because I watched Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Davis in the game. Similar players-ish, whatever it is. Towns, you know, we, we can talk about that comparison also. It's a pretty good comparison. Um, I watched the game, and I, I, I was watching it, you know, with Ian. And he was, you know, only half watching because it was a boring game, and Fortnite is much cooler. And I, I said a couple of times, I'm like, how long are they going to let this lead go? Because we watch it, you know, the volume not not crazy high, um, so I could do other things and you know type and stuff. How long are they going to let this lead go before putting LeBron back in the game? I'm like, I get it, LeBron's, you know, he's not in the game. You know, it's third quarter, maybe they're resting him, but the lead's going to get so far out of hand. And I start paying attention. I'm like, when are they going to put him in? I start looking at the bench. Is he there? What? Like, did he get hurt also? Or are they just not putting him back in? And then I remembered. LeBron is not 23 anymore. He's number six. And he had been in the game the whole time. And I'm thinking to myself, how bad is that? That LeBron is in the game, 
but he's not impacting the game enough for me to even realize that LeBron is in the game. This actually happened yesterday. Now, I'm sure if I turned the sound up, this wouldn't have happened because I would have, I would have heard, you know, LeBron has the ball, LeBron's passing, I would have heard his name. But I had the volume down a little bit, and I'm watching this game, and I'm thinking to myself, where's LeBron? And he was in the game. So, yeah, he could have those stats, but it's exactly what you talk about, right? The impact on the game versus the actual numbers, right? Interesting comment. Well, I mean, he's just – I'm wondering when his closest fans will admit that he's not the same player as before and stop, like, pumping the LeBron train and just – Well, don't they already start to say that? Like, the, the, I, we've heard a lot more this season. LeBron is supposed to be leaning more on AD, but AD is not doing it. Like, it's really AD's fault that LeBron is not succeeding at this part in, in his career. You know what I mean? Like, he's supposed to hand the reins over to the – you know, the guy who's supposed to be the alpha and, and Davis is just not doing it. Is that, you know, is that the narrative that's gone? Could LeBron's fans say, look, you know, they all thought Anthony Davis was something he's not. And LeBron is is, is being they're, asked to do more than he should be at this advanced age. They're going to point to that as they always do. But I, I don't know, man. It's it's uh, there's a lot to be left to be desired. And I just. I don't see what's going to change for this team other than what he always does. And he's going to play GM. And we're going to see a trade coming. That's what he's always done, man. So play GM. Who's coming? What's the trade? Who are they getting? It's actually my play today. I think uh, with COVID, you're going to start seeing desperation from some teams. And desperation uh, causes some moves to be made that are highly questionable. So, I mean – Kyrie's got back and he's playing. We talked about that. He's going to be playing on away games. But I think we're going to see a resurgence of Ben Simmons. He's going to be back. Uh, a resurgence not in his stats or his performance, but I think he's going to go to a team. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if he goes to Portland. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes to the Lakers. I think these teams are getting desperate for a move. And this is like a buy-the-hype, sell-the-news type of play. Ben Simmons cards are cheap, like dirt cheap. Like you could get PSA 10s, BGS 10s of colored parallels and prism for a few hundred bucks. That's my play. I I think that with COVID and with all of the trade talks before with Ben Simmons, I think a move is going to be. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, the Celtics move Jalen Brown. Um, but I don't know exactly where Simmons goes, but I do think that when he goes somewhere, his expectations have already so low from the last six, seven, eight months that his cards are going to bounce. They're going to jump a little bit. And I think I like there's it. an opportunity I, there. I like it. I, I don't exactly love Ben Simmons as a player, but I love the no, play. Because don't hold them. There's so, there's so little downside to it, right? You know, these cards have been beaten up so bad that, you know, it's not going to go down much more than it is, even if he doesn't play all this year, you know, and then you have a potential entrance and when he plays next year, wherever he's going to playing or the whole nine yards. So, I mean, there's really low downside to it. Um, so I really like it. And it allows us to kind of move the needle of, of the topic off of LeBron because, you know, I mean, we beat the hell out of LeBron sometimes rightfully. So we do not beat the hell out of LeBron. No uh, one does, man. No one calls LeBron how it is. All you see is on Instagram is people, you know, Posting these inc- – like, look at his stats, 30 points a game, but eight rebounds and six I think people are smart enough to see through that, that most of the people posting positive things about LeBron this year while his team is, what, 500, are people who are LeBron bag holders. And anybody who doesn't see that is probably, you know, going to lose money. 
in the hobby. Um, so let me let me just keep it on NBA because you are an NBA expert, right? I mean, this there I don't know anybody who knows. I watch the games. You, is, that's I don't want to say it, I'm right? an expert, but I, I do watch the games. But I mean, so you have you have a finger on, on the pulse of of, of the NBA. Um, you know, we've been doing this show, you know, five hundred something episodes. You know, we're we'll soon be on two years of doing an episode every single day. You've made calls when it comes to the NBA that I I haven't heard anybody else make. The Heat, you know, the Bucks, based on some moves that the Bucks made that weren't just hey Giannis. You know, based on some defense move, based on some Bobby Portis type moves, like you've you have been able to watch the NBA and and you know call things before they happen because of not something that nobody else was focusing on, right? So I have a question for you, and it's it's great for Ben Simmons to roll into this because it's another guy I think is, and I'm it's a typical cage question, guys. So get ready, we're at like eight and a half minutes in, so Andrew will get a chance to answer this question at about eleven minutes in. It's gonna be one of my. I only have one question for you in 27 parts right so um, this is you know it's like daunted melon back to school you know i have one question in 27 parts so it's not his prices have not been beat up as bad as simmons cards have but they're close and they definitely game, percent game wise, no no much more comparison to simmons but we'll get to lillard in a second if you want to talk about lillard i mean he had a great game last night so yes, we can talk about lillard this guy doesn't have a great game. And ultimately, at the point in his career, the amount of games that he's played is very similar to another big man first pick. Um, oh, no. We're talking about Zion Williamson. And I want to know your thoughts on Zion. And here's my comparison. And guys who clip our, our show here, if you listen to us and we want to talk about a clipping of which one do you think this guy is more akin to, you can put a little Zion picture in the middle and have let, let the folks choose. Left or right, A or B, which one is Zion's career more going to be like? Okay, Zion, I don't know if he plays this year, right? And I'm curious whether you think he plays this year. I'm wondering what your thoughts are about Zion's cards overall, whether or not he's a buy now, whether his cards have been beaten up enough. And the comparisons that I want to make when it comes to Zion are his career can go, I believe, in these two directions. Foot versus knee. So you'll understand why I'm doing this. Foot injury versus knee injury. The most common comparisons we hear for Zion now while he's out is Greg Oden. Because obviously big man, first pick. Never really turned into anything and then just was done. Knee. The other comparison I hear for Zion, a slow start, foot injury instead of knee, is Joel Embiid. Oh. Joel Embiid. Okay. Different type of player. Both of them are, you know, not not traditional big man center for Zion. But which one do you think is the way Zion's career goes? Or do you have a different kind of path? Are those fair comparisons? Are you nervous about Zion? Do you think that we're approaching a point now where Zion's cards are beat up enough where people should be looking at them as a viable, you know, investment? And if so, kind of which ones? So there you go. Three-minute question in 27 parts. I've laid it out for you. That's my brain. I have a thought on this, but I'm curious to hear yours from you know, a basketball perspective. Well, I, I've said I don't think he's going to play this year. I, I've said that before. I, I would do this. This is how I think of it. I do it in my head, but some people could draw a line. Like, draw a line, and this is Zion's current card prices, okay? If he comes back and plays, what do you think the – 
upper echelon of what his card prices can be. And then if he doesn't play at all this season, what do you think the lower tier would be? I say Zion isn't a buy for that reason. If he comes back, what does he see? A 10, 15, 20% bounce in his cards? Maybe. People are still going to be worried. He's still overweight. There's still a lot of narratives. Uh, I would argue he maybe have has lost a bit of cardboard relevance because of all of the FUD out there, fear, uncertainty, doubt. Uh, but if he doesn't play, which is actually looking more likely, his cards are going to be half the price that they are 12 months from now. So you have tremendous downside with maybe 10, 20, 30% upside. Uh, now that's depends on what card you own. If you own a national treasures and you're into it for 75, hundred K no, I, I mean, you got to hold, right? You got no other option right now. If you're into a base prism and you have one and you bought it at 440 and now you could get 300 out. I say cut your losses, man. I don't know what you what you what event will happen to get those cards back to 440, right? Like it doesn't look like he's gonna. I don't even know if you can get 200 for Zion Prism now. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I'm wondering if the cards have beat up so much now that you know, is it gonna go much lower? I don't think. Why not? He doesn't play. Well, because and there's 20,000 of them. I guess the thought is that even if he doesn't play this year that card going into next year when he's finally, you know, looking healthy, even though he might get hurt again, the, the, you know, the, there will be multiple entry points for a guy who's what, 20 over the next five years or whatever it is. Then just re then just buy next year when you have more information, you're going to be sitting on dead money for seven months. What if he, what if he comes back in three weeks and there's a run up already and those cards are 300 just in the run up. And he plays okay in the state 300, then you can't buy him next year for half the price. What, what, so, right now, let's say you could get 200 for it. Let's just what call if, 200. Yeah. Cool. What if there's a run up to 300 mm-hmm. and he plays? Buy it then. Yeah. Buy it at 300. But buy it when you see that his performance is actually, it, it, it has some potential. Right now, that's a huge what if. A huge right. what if. So, you're not a buyer on Zion, but you are a buyer on Ben Simmons. Well, Ben Simmons isn't injured. Well, some would say his brain is injured. Right. And I don't want you <laughs> his to feelings, hold, his feelings are injured. I don't want you to hold his card during him playing because he's atrocious and he can't shoot. I'm saying buy it as he gets into the trade deadline. I think he, I think they're gonna move him. I think there's with COVID and some desperation of teams, I, I do think that you're gonna see some trades go down. But, but Zion and Ben Simmons aren't comparable. Zion has been injured twice in the last two years. He has a heavy set body, and he's on a team that's not going to rush him back because he's so young. The Greg Oden comparison, I don't know the exact numbers, but I'm pretty sure it's at this point. 85 and 82 like, you know, games. There you go. That was, that was, those were the numbers, 85 versus 82 games. I mean, it's pretty crazy, right? I mean, a knee is different than foot, and, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a different comparison. It's a, it's a real interesting thing, man, because people put a lot of money in Zion. There are some people who still think he's going to be fantastic. And I guess the thought is that if, if people were ready to invest in him a year ago at highs, is now, are we approaching a point where he's a bargain? No. no. Because, dude, you own Flower Girls, right? You're on the top one yes. page of the Flower Girl owners. Yes, correct. When a project doesn't go your way and it gets yep. kind of it gets beat up. Yep. Let's even say some good news happens, right? And mm-hmm. that project doubles. You're going to be like, well, this is kind of an exit point for me. I'm going to at least sell yeah. half of these and get some money out. 100%. So 
the same things happens with Zion. Dan Fleischman, I think he came on and said, well, so many people have not one Zion-based prism. They have hundreds. Yeah. Well, those same p- people are looking for an exit point. And if he does come back and there's a run-up, there's going to be a huge supply run into that run-up. They're going to sell into strength so that maybe they're not going to sell off their entire position, but they might sell off 50% of it. They're going to they're going to want to minimize their risk. So what um... – I mean, I, so I get it. So you're more that he's more Greg Oden than Joel Embiid. We don't know. Uh, so, so I'm not here to speculate on 15 years from now. I'm here to say what, what information do we have now and what information can we use to make a good investment decision? He, he might come back. So, yes. I, I don't think I don't think he's Joel Embiid. You want to stay away. Just stay away from Zion. Stay right? away until you see something that's positive. Stay away until you see that his foot's healed, he's in shape, and he's coming back. When he's two games out and buy into that, right? Because the only thing that's going to move Zion cards here is is performance. There's no yeah, more or, hype with Zion. There's no more hype with Zion. The hype, I would, I'll tell you that those cards would go up the week where they announce he's coming back before he even gets on the court. They'll definitely be. I'm not that. sure that you know that, bro. Well, I don't know anything, sis. Well, I'm saying I, I'm not sure that you know that, bro, because of how much hit, like with John Moran, I agree. But dude, people have already bought into the hype and got hit. So I, I think I think you'd be remiss to just assume that people are going to go back to the well on Zion until they actually see something where he could put together. Yeah, 10 I points. mean, right now the 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 bottom that it's hitting, you know, or the lows that it's hitting. I'm going to call it the bottom because you know, who knows if the bottoms and the lows that it's right. hitting are because there is there is a thought out there that he's not returning this year. If he does return this year, I don't year, think it's as low as you think. Cage, you think I don't think you. You think that there's significant? Well, listen. This is why we talk about this stuff, man. So you think what that the prism could could see a hundred dollar? For sure, it could definitely drop below hundred. It has the most supply out there, and he's clearly the worst out of the four horsemen that we always talk about: Luca, Trey, and, and John. <laughs> it's funny, man. Trey doesn't get any love. He really doesn't get any love. I mean, Levine loves him. Kevin Durant seems to love right. him. You know, but he doesn't, get any, he doesn't get any. Like, if we're just objective and take people's names out and just, like, look at their resume to date, Zion is five levels below Luca, Trey, and Ja. You can't even put them on the same pedestal. I know he has potential from his high, from his clips in college. And, guys, you know I've watched Zion since his Duke days, since he ripped that shoe open. So I, I made my money on Zion. I know Zion. My, my point is that... His cards could easily fall below 100 for the base prism. I, I don't see why not. I, I think that's where they tr- truly should be. It's interesting. I mean, that card was like a thousand bucks. Really, that card. I, when I got into the market, upgraded PSA 10 was 500 of 600 bucks. Th- that's where I thought there was that run up, but the true price of Zion was five, 600. Yeah, I mean, I definitely know it was over a thousand because I know I, I, we, we priced it out. You well, know what but I mean? like <laughs> was the Luca card a two thousand dollar card? No, right, for a for, week for, or two. For a moment, for a moment, for a moment, it touched. But it's like a stop. The if it goes down to one hundred, one hundred fifty, it could also just touch that for a moment, also just like a stop. You never know. So it's an interesting thing. I don't. I don't so, think so. I, I think there's going to be a tremendous amount of people who want to sell that card. All right. So you are low on LeBron and low on Zion, low on Luca, high on Ben Simmons. Is there anybody else you are high on in basketball right now? Now, I, li- I know there's a lot of what-ifs, but this adds a little bit of sadness to me with LeBron. Look at this Cavs team now, man. 
Look at what he could have built with this Cavs team, right? That's his hometown. Why did he need to go to LA? And he, he, why does he need to go and buy championships everywhere he goes? I don't think Cavs going to do anything. Like you don't think this, that they, no. this Cavs team with LeBron? Well, with LeBron, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be this Cavs team with LeBron. I understand. Had all those draft picks. But, well. But, no, he no, signed as a free agent. He signed as a free agent with the Lakers, so he could have stayed, and they wouldn't have given anything up. But my my point is, if he Kate, signed with Cleveland, you're saying? I mean, like, I, I still don't. I, I'm right. not buying into the Cleveland hype just yet. A thousand Cage. percent. But, but Cage, uh, and it's a great thing to talk about. So go ahead, tell me. You that's think what if building he was there would be better. But that's what building a team is, right? Like, you you can't just go and leave places and buy championships. Like, I, I'm curious to see what's going to happen. I predict they're going to go out and try to buy another championship. Right, sign somebody, maybe yeah, Lillard. Just, sure. Who the heck knows? I mean, that's but, interesting. We'll see what happens. And you hate that, right? Because that adds to the negative narrative of LeBron, right? He's not building a team. He's not making anything better. He's just playing GM, and this title shouldn't count either. It was the it was my most disliked comment ever was that LeBron doesn't make his teammates better. Where Josh Carbor Chronicles and I almost had a virtual metaverse fight. His me bit versus my me bit. Uh, other than height advantage and reach, I think I got him. Uh, like, dude, who has he improved? Whose game has improved when they're around LeBron? Uh, very, very easily. J.R. Smith. <laughs> I mean, clearly. He, that guy, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't trust anybody more with the ball at the buzzer in a tie game with and some time JR. left than J.R. Smith, right? I mean, I mean Anthony I Davis came there. He had a good bubble, and now he looks like he's made of sand and he can't do anything. I, I just – I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know. I know people so love this. You talked about the Cavs, right? And that's an Evan Mobley thing. So, so um, let's do let's do another fun little exercise, and then I'll get into my play, right? Because we can stick with the NBA. We we'll stick with your your love of, of of cards, right? There have been people who've come into this now, and they put money into Zion, and they've gotten beat up because Zion was injured, right? And Zion's draft class with Zion and 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 Ja, some would throw Tyler Hero into that. That was a pretty good draft class. It was one of these like draft classes that's going to make everybody great, right? It's going to be like you know, everybody's going to make money. And the draft class before it, you had Luca and Trey and Michael Porter Jr. Let's take injuries out of the equation, although they're part of the game. And then you had a third straight year of um, of awesomeness, right? Where you had Anthony Edwards, who looks like a real baller, and LaMelo Ball, who looks like a stud. Who knows what Wiseman's going to be? And the hobby, you know, history repeats itself guys and you know it's one of those you know lead a fish to water kind of things that andrew likes to say you know like if you if you forget it it repeats itself right you got to remember let's all remember so do me a favor let's go back to some other amazing draft classes right tell me who from 2002 or 2004 or 2005 i mean after everybody got it back into the hobby with lebron and carmelo who's that 2004 stud that's carrying it. 2005 stuff. Is it Chris Paul? No, Paul's later. Not 2004, not 2005. He's later on. I think he might be. Dwight Howard is 2004. Dwight Howard. So how about, let's go to, um, you know, let's Iggy? go to, yeah, I mean, look at all these. Jamiro players, right? Delonta. How about, how about like, like, you know, we had the 2012, they're not all 2012 draft class, right? You had 09, right? That's got Curry and, and it's got DeRozan you know, Harden. Steph, right? It's got Harden. What, what was the year after that? 
Oh, I, I mean, it was I 2010. It the, yeah, well, who, who was the big draft class that year? Was the it Evan Turner? Evan Turner. Uh, yeah, Turner was huge. 2011, Buggy. right? Remember who it wasn't the not twelve some stuff type, but yeah, yeah. Kawhi what are you talking about Clay. right now? Are you just keep just throwing out years? I'm so freaking confused. You're just making me Google and new shit. I don't want you to Google it. I want you to 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 show our audience that you have to Google it. And the point is this: not every draft class is going to have a bankable star, yes. and we have now been spoiled by what some could argue is three good years of, of draft classes. The 1920 with, with, with Zion and Ja was supposed to be like this top-level top, and who knows what that's going to turn out to based on health of these two guys, right? And Ja looks like all, all that in a bag of chips, and Zion I still think is going to be fine. He's yeah, 2018 Luka, great Trey, great. This, this, you know, the 2020 guys, people are like, oh, I don't know, but Edwards and Lamelo look great. There really hasn't been a time where those three straight years of killer draft classes all paid off in the history here. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you have your Jordan and your Ewing, and then it's just, and then you have your LeBron, but, but what was before that? What was after that? And then you had your, you had some hit or miss classes, you know, 07, you know, you have your, 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 your Durant year, right? And then a couple years later, with the, the point is that. We're now expecting every year to have a rookie that's bankable that's going to turn into this big player, right? And you brought up with Cleveland. Like Evan Mobley is what everyone's talking about. Evan Mobley might turn into a very good NBA player, right? He might be a good NBA player. Jalen Green, Cade Cunningham. These guys Stop lumping him be- into one. Stop lumping him to one. Evan Mobley is going to be fantastic. Kate Cunningham is the most overrated number one draft pick I've seen in 10 <laughs> but years. Said that. All of them might be great, right? None of them are generational talents. None. Uh-huh. And the difficult part is that... You don't know that, people... man. Oh, you're right. I, 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 again, sis, I don't know anything for this episode. <laughs> Clearly, you've woken up in a bro mood. Your hair is uh, still Ben Stiller-like. And you've been... Well, we're know, we're, we're ripping on NBA. I'm Skip Bayless. You're Stephen A. Smith. We're riffing. It's uh, yeah, and you're right. I, I uh, clearly today I don't know anything, but I what I do that. know oh, is I hope I, is, I'm not coming up with that vibe. I apologize if well, I am. The audience listens. You've said you don't know anything. Now you don't know that six times during this episode, which is fine. Uh, you know everything, and I know nothing. That's today's episode. I, That's the title, clip, I, guys. I apologize. But, the point that I do know after living for a long time is that you don't get consecutive home run, knock it out of the park every single year. And we've been lucky that we've had that. And the point that I'm trying to make, even though I know nothing, is you have to be careful. Just let me apologize and move on. Shut the hell up. You just you, This year, while handsome is correct, Evan Mobley may turn into the next Michael Jordan. Right? He may be the next LeBron James. He may be a generational. I don't know that. He's right. I don't know anything. Chances are there will be draft classes that do not require you to spend $100,000 on their national treasure RPA because the guys in that draft class are not going to end up being otherworldly talents. You can't have a once-in-a-generational player come out every year. That that kills the definition of that once-in-a-generational player. That makes it a a once-in-a-year player. And the tough part is, is that we're looking for that every single year. We're looking for the, who's this year's guy. And what I want everybody to do is take a step back and think about their own collection. Think about their own investments, right? Think about their own 
trying to do that in football and in basketball and who they invested in and how many people put their money in Sam Darnold because the year before Patrick Mahomes looked that darn good and Darnold was going to be the Mahomes. How many people are going to do that with Zach Wilson? How many people are going to do it with we have all of these quarterbacks. We have all of these, you know, little, you know, NBA stars. We have all these guys that can't, that come out and they're supposed to be can't misses. But each year, it's fun. It's fun to prospect on rookies. It's fun to put the money into these rookies because the guys might turn out to be something, right? But when you like everything else, wide view, right? Look at this wide view. These draft classes are all going to be they're going to be lumped together the same way. Curry and Durant and Harden and Blake Griffin and all of those guys that came in that decade around each other all lumped together. And Durant and Curry are kind of those guys. It's gonna it's not gonna be Cade Cunningham versus Evan Mobley. It's gonna be Evan Mobley versus Zion versus Luca. Correct. Right? So that's just it's just be First careful. Yep. Just be careful in, in how small of a lens we're using on this stuff because Evan Mobley might be the best of the bunch of these rookies, but he might not. I don't know anything. He might not be the best player this decade or this generation. I want to separate like um, narrative versus reality, right? Like, yes, the narrative is we always look for generational talent in every draft. I mean, that Mm -hmm. we do, but the reality is they only come around every 10 years. Yeah. Or, or 20. I mean, it's really it's Le- it's Jordan in the eighties. It's it's LeBron in two thousand three. Maybe Kobe thrown in there. I mean, I don't you know. Kobe's Jordan, different- Shaq, Kobe, LeBron, Giannis, Curry. Even Shaq, Giannis, Curry. I mean, yeah, you're those. Well, are- you're, you're saying Giannis isn't generational because he wasn't hyped in the draft. No, no, no. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying it's funny. People thought in twenty thirteen there were other players who were going to be the generational talent and not Correct. him. Correct. The so narrative find is- somebody that's not even there. So this no, is my I mean, point with Luca. Luca isn't a generational talent. The narrative is you don't know that, bro. What well, Luca? Luca you, might you just turn out that, to be. Luca might just turn out to be a Dame Lillard. Luca could turn out. Luca could turn out. You might. You might win ten championships and uh, seventeen MVPs. You don't know that, bro. It sucks, doesn't it? <laughs> You're no, around you blue. Whatever you say sticks bounces off me and sticks to you. Um, there you go. You got it. <laughs> you got that one right, folks. You let it fish the water, and you got the whole rubber and bouncing thing. You did it good. You're right, Luca. Luca has taken two steps backwards, and you were famous for talking about Luca. This was a huge year for him. The people were expecting a lot out of him. His cards were priced for perfection for him coming into this year, and you even said right off the bat, it's MVP or bust for him. And you thought it was going to be more bust. Who did I who did I compare him to? Remember that exercise I did. Yeah. If you're starting a team, who would you rather have, him or Jokic? Remember that. Yes. Although Jokic, I mean, the funny thing about Jokic is he's he's putting up numbers again. I mean, almost as good as his last year's MVP season, and nobody cares. It's insane, and it's not nobody numbers. Cares. It's not just numbers. Like he he, I mean, he dominates the game. When he's on the court, that team is a top three team in the league. It's when he's off the court. They can't do anything without him. It just shows how impactful he is. Um, well, doesn't he need to make his players around him better? He, he does. That's the crazy part about it. He makes them so much better that when he's off the court, he... Have you, have you watched Joker play? 
Yeah, I do. It's crazy. You sometimes forget how how, how tall he is. You sometimes forget right. he plays outside the three point line so often. You forget that he's a center, but his passing is crisp. He is and he, he's got like the Dirks. He has like that Dirk fadeaway in the mid range. He can finish at the rim. He could hit threes. <laughs> Some of his um, shots and his footwork when he's in the lane and he's coming in, it looks weird. Like it looks like what is he doing? But the ball falls. Right. It's very weird. It's very weird. It's not smooth, but he but the shot falls. So I, mean, I guess it's tough to be smooth when you're that big. I think what people need to look for to, to separate the smoke from, you know, what do they say? Smoke from fire? I don't know how but smoke and mirrors, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like what there's always going to be narratives. There's always going to be ESPN, all these companies creating content and to entertain people. But where is the game trending and whose young skills are well positioned to capture that market, if that makes sense, or that opportunity? Because you put Shaq in today's game. Shaq's a dominant guy, but I don't know how much he would dominate in today's game. Right? Team wouldn't, team wouldn't want him to dominate. Because no matter what, even if he's dunking the ball every single time, you're still only getting two points for that. Correct. They would be trying to teach Shaq to shoot the three today. So I actually <laughs> think the game is trending towards like the point center. I think that's what we wanted with AD. I think that's what we wanted with Boogie. I think that's what Jokic is showing us, right? I think Cat plays that role. I think Embiid does. I think why I'm bullish on Evan Mobley more than Kate Cunningham when, is because he is a, he can, he's going to develop into a point center. He could take the ball up the court. He could shoot threes. He's an incredible defender. He could finish at the rim. He's got nice touch. He's a passer. The game is trending in his favor, right? So th- that's why I'm bullish on Evan Mobley. And I'm sorry for saying bro a lot this episode, guys. I apologize. It's all right. You're in veil, man. I mean, you know, the, the wacky weedus is good there. It's getting you in a bro mood. How about this? Is it bad? I mean, I, I mean, I can't really blame anybody. But the NFL season is about to be over, and you could have called Mac Jones in the beginning of it but you couldn't buy his prison card, and you still can't. Furious. NBA season is going to be done soon, and unless you really are a believer in last year's one and one, can you believe this? The NBA season is half over, right? It's terrible. And, and, and they're still releasing you know, last year's rookie product. You can't invest in this. You can't do it anymore. And, and before I get into my play, are you nervous about products that come out like, um, what is it, jock stock or something like that? There's no one out there where it's like, all right, you can invest in the player. You know, and if he has a good game, you cash out with more that day. It's sort of like a fantasy, but you know, it's 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 stock market style where you get to invest in a player and 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 bet on that player's performance in that game or that week or that season, um, and ride it out kind of the way people were doing with their Prism PSA tenth. Those were like buying stock in somebody, and you can't, you couldn't buy stock in the football rookie class this year in Prism. Well, and you'll actually- see. Look what's look what's happened to that Dunbar's Mac Jones that we talked about. That was like two thousand dollars. Now it's like three hundred. We talked about that. I hope everybody listened. But shoot, man, what do you think? What do you think about that? Well, I actually that, talked, that to Chris, I talked to Chris Hodge about this, right? Because uh, Chris Hodge and, and those guys are true hobbyists, they're true collectors, right? And I think that true collectors, they don't I, – I'm putting words in their mouth, but I don't think that they believe that cards should be a stock market for players. And he's, he put me on to jock uh, – what is it, player jock or – I don't know, jock stock something. I don't know. Jock stock? Like he said – you don't need cards. I was like, well, what if I want to invest in a player? He said, and the prism card, is, this is what I said to him. What if I want to invest in a player and the market accepts the prism base card or the prism sober as the stock of that player? And he said, well, why do you need that when you have jock, jock strap? Uh, 
it's short sighted. You could I think so too, but he, he is right. Like it, it's oh, no. the... oh, is that so? So it's great that they were collectors. It's great that you know that card ladder was built on you know the collectors back. I love those guys. I love what they did. I love that you know PSA bought them, but it's naive to think that anything that they were able to do with their own collections, value-wise, flipping-wise, turning things into more, is able to be done without those prism collectors, without those people who were, for a time, able to invest in a player by their prism PSA 10, right? When Zion was playing, you were able to get that, that, that prism PSA 10 in season, before season, you know, while that season was going on. That was a huge thing. Same thing with Luca, right? And those people were making money on those, making bets on those players and bolstering the hobby. There's a reason why so many people needed card ladder. When it was just collectors in this in 2016 and before, there was no card ladder. You wonder why? There was no need for it. There wasn't enough people on the bottom rung, right? Collectors Universe stock was floundering. Nobody cared about it. Nobody even knew that it was out there, that it was PSA's parent company. Why? Because the hobby was just that, a hobby full of collectors. But those collectors, they've now taken three steps up in the pyramid and in their own fiscal world, not just the people who sell their companies, but the people who have a collection of legit cards. Why? Because the people under them were making money and making their stuff go up in value because you had more people chasing less stuff, more people chasing scarce stuff. So I, my concern is... Not just the company is not printing this stuff up, but you have these other companies, this jock stock, jock strap, whatever the hell it's called. I don't know what it is. Look, we're probably pissing on a potential sponsor. Uh, but but do we lose a segment of the hobby? People who who want to be able to say, hey, I picked Mac Jones. Mac Jones was my guy in week one. I would love to have bought a bunch of his prison PSA 10s, but I can't. When does that come out? You know, I think it's, I think it's the biggest mistake that the the companies could make is not allowing for that cage. It's just, I mean, it's crazy and it's a little scary. And you know, I mean, I know a lot of people don't like the "quote unquote" negative uh, side of it. I I get a lot of great comments about kind of bringing some honesty to it. Um, and this is just me being honest. That said, guys, if you're a collector, if you're having fun, there's a lot of ways to do this without having to kill your budget. Um, and before I get to my play, let's talk. How about some auctions? Right, you, you watch at auctions. You 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 picking anything up on auction? You buying anything for your collection? You buying anything for your PC? I'm terrible at auctions, man. I'm a fixed price <laughs> guy. I'm I'm a fixed right. price. Well, but um, you like alt liquid auctions, right? I mean, you. I like to look at them. I, I, I'm just. <laughs> I don't like them, man. I never win them. They always confuse me at the end. I get terrible anxiety when I watch. Like your final bid was, you were outbid. I'm like, what the? F just tell me <laughs> the price and I'll buy it. You know, there is something to be said about that. A lot, a lot of these auctions now, they run differently. And, you know, I'd love to get on on the horn of the PWCC and talk to them about their auction ending process and stuff like that. It's still a little confusing. But one little thing to, to talk about, you know, I'm a Jordan collector, right? You know, I buy Jordan cards here and there, um, you know. And one of the cards I never bought was a 96 Chrome, you know, just the regular 96 Chrome PSA 10. You know, I'm a snob like the PSA 10s. Um, just because it wasn't something that I thought would be like so sought after, but you know that was the first year of Chrome. You know it's become kind of like one of those you know like cards that that people you know notice they you know they look for. And I think the last I checked is only 117 tenths. I'm not talking about a refractor. That's for like win the lottery life, right? But I'm just talking about a regular one. 
And I remember looking at it coming into this year and saying, maybe I should grab one of these. You know, I was on the 2012 Prism. I knew that was, you know, an iconic set. You, you know, you're looking at these other things, you know, 86 Fleer, 96 Chrome. Might as well get a Jordan, not that many of them. But as everything else, the beginning of this year, prices went haywire. And that card, which was, you know, probably a $1,500 card at the end of last year, um, you know, you see the January 2000, you can look at this on, on you know, PSA's own website with their, you know, their APRs and, you know, their, their auction, you know, results. Um, there were a couple sales in the first quarter, you know, that run up that crazy time of like $4,000 for a base 96 Chrome. And I remember seeing those sales at the time, 2,500, 3,000, 4,000. Saying, all right, well, I guess I'm just not getting one of these. You know, I'd rather put that that towards something else. You know, a number card or you know an insert. I like that like. card, but it got it got ahead of itself when the whole MJ market went crazy. So I've been watching, and I there was one in PWCC's monthly auction, which means no buyer's premium. It means you know the the card sells for what it sells for, and um, it ended last night at nine hundred fifty dollars. How many of them are there? Do you know? 117. PSA That's a good deal. So a good deal. it hasn't been under a grand in a long time. And I don't I don't bring this up just for you know my own PC or my own like wow that was a win. First of all, it was at it was at like nine twenty five and I bid on it and it said you're not the you're not the winning bidder. Um you're not the winning bidder. It's at nine twenty five, which means obviously I tied the high bid. <laughs> you know what I mean? So with like 10 seconds left in extra time, I put 950 and then the thing just died. And I'm like, wait a second, it should extend. It should extend over into the next period to give this person a chance to bid. But it didn't. It just disappeared. And I'm like, wait a second, what happened? Did I did I win? Did I not win? Like, what the heck happened here? What's the deal? And then like three hours later, I got an email. You've won. And I'm like, cool, I'll take it. Do PWCC and all do reserves? Like if this card doesn't hit this amount... I don't think the monthly ones they do. I mean, I'm sure the premier ones you could have a reserve. I think they probably, you know, prefer not to do that. You know, you just start it off and it bids and it goes wherever it is. You know, the premier stuff I think is. I've seen some stuff with reserves. I don't. I don't remember seeing anything with a reserve in a while. Some auction houses do reserves, but what's your? So that's your play. The takeaway. No, no, no. The takeaway on that is. Keep an eye on this because we talked about this. We talked about the decentralization of the card market now. And when everything was on eBay, including PWCC's auctions on eBay, and yet Probstein doing that thing on eBay, and Golden was just doing their, you know, big auctions. And there were, and all didn't have their liquid auctions, right? It was go on eBay and search it out and look for your stuff and you knew what was going on. Now you kind of have to pay attention to all these different places and people in alt, they have to actually have their money in alt already. They're bidding on it, which means if a card happens to come up in PWCC, it's a process for them because they may have their money already in their alt account that they would have to take out to try to buy a PW. So it's a whole to do. And I, you know, posited uh, a little while ago that we might see a little dip in card prices just because of that decentralization, because you have to now monitor a half dozen places instead of one to find where all these cards end. And just like, you know, this, it's a different kind of card, but I picked up that Kobe Apparitions Refractor that there's only seven of in PSA 10 the first time PWCC did their premier auctions, just because it was new and people weren't in it. I, I think there are bargains to be had in like the PWCC monthly auctions, those all liquid auctions, just because 
if you have a hundred people looking, it used to be a hundred people were all on eBay looking at these things. Now you have 60 of them in PWCC and 50 of them are on liquid auctions and 40 of them are on eBay. And, you know, I, while this shakes out, I think there are bargains to be had. Um, and I feel like I got one yesterday with that Jordan. So that's, you know, just the great word, word of advice as far as, you know, if you're willing to put the time in and be one of the few people that's on all of the different auction sites, you might be able to scoop up a bargain for yourself for your PC. Now I will throw in, that was an old slab. It was an old PSA label, the one that I got, but it looked like it was in really good shape and whatever that's going in the PC. So, um, that whole, over, that whole old label thing is overstated. Like it's it's a it's a, it's valuable, but like I would say ninety nine point nine percent of old labels will will be updated to new labels if you Correct. send it. So I, I think that whole thing is just super overstated right now. I tend to agree. So the play, guys. Here's a fun one. Hopefully you stayed with us for the whole forty five minutes because this is the collector hat. This is the different hat, right? So this is one where could it turn into something very profitable for you? hundred percent, hundred percent. I think you may actually enjoy this one, right? I did some research and skewed my research on this towards something you may want to buy yourself, right? Um, so this is going to check a lot of boxes, right? It is an up and coming sport. That's got a lot of popularity. Um, it is um, something that no one's going to give you other than us which you know I've started to trend towards. I love being able to say my play is something you are never going to hear from anybody else. And if you do it, it's because they listen to us and they're stealing it, okay? Because no one has ever given this play before, ever. I I can tell you this, 100%. Um, whether it's Hello Kitty, <laughs> which we got a lot of good positive feedback for that. But this is a sport, right? And the button that it hits the most, which I, I kind of, I'm trying to, and the Jordan doesn't really hit this button, but I'm trying to trend my collection this way. It's rare because it's rare, not rare because of the great, right? One of the things about like the 2012 prisms that yeah. have low pop, that card itself is not rare. You could even say this about the Jordan Fleer rookie. The card itself is not rare. You go to a card show, you're probably going to see one in some grade, some slab or upgraded. The tens are rare, but I'm trying to skew my stuff towards things that are rare because they're rare, right? That's why the exquisite stuff is really cool and why people are paying money for those type of cards now. They're not rare because of the grade. The PMGs are not rare because of the grade. They're rare because only so many of them were made. All right. So that being said, here you go. What if I were to tell you your favorite fighter is Dustin Poirier? What if I were to tell you that I could get you not the thousands of dollars and a couple hundreds of dollars that are being paid for Poirier's chrome rookies now that there's hundreds of? What if I were to tell you that I could get you right now a UFC issued auto debut rookie of Dustin Poirier numbered to 125? What would you pay for that? $100. Okay, good. So here you go. What if I told you that you had to be at that fight where he debuted to get it? Might make it a little more valuable. So here you go. Much more scarce, like a like a Michael Jordan's ticket that is just sold. So the tickets are a great thing, right? So this is what got me thinking about this. You have Darren Ravel and Buster and, and these guys posting about tickets. That Jordan ticket, you have to be at the event, which makes it rare. People didn't keep it, right? Things get thrown out, you know. The, the, that ticket sells for hundreds of thousands of dollars. You ready for this? When UFC has events, okay? When you're at the event, 
they sell UFC memorabilia. They sell UFC stuff. They could sell you a T-shirt for the event. They could sell you, you know, whatever it is for the event. But what they sell are event posters. They're called signed by card posters. So if you want to search while you listen to this, if you just type in UFC SBC, that's the initial for people who collect these things, right? UFC SBC. They sell to the first 125 people who are there to buy them. A poster signed by the entire card, everyone fighting at that event, with a UFC hologram on it, with an individual number, up to 125. Usually the first 20 or so of these are given to the fighters at the event. So even though it's 125, there's actually less. I mean, most of these fighters are probably keeping these posters for themselves. They're not going to put them out there. So you wind up with like 100 of these out in the wild. Now, if you are on eBay right now, I'd love for you to type in WEC50 poster. And what you're going to find there is we talked about this in the UFC. The WEC was the lower weight classes of the UFC before they were folded into the UFC. And WEC50 was Dominic Cruz, a UFC champ, fought against Joseph Benavidez. And if you click on this and, you know, check the whole the whole nine now. So look, 120 bucks right there, the second one, out of 125, SBCCOA. You see that? $120 by now. Not even making an offer. There are other ones, by the way, that are as cheap as this or cheaper. This isn't even making an offer. You just click on the 120 bucks. Click on it and blow it up. There's the, there's the certificate of authenticity. There's also a little octagon hologram on it, right, that has the number. It'll be on the poster itself. And if you zoom in on the poster, you'll see everybody who fought on that card autographed it. So this August 18th WEC at the Palms was Dustin Poirier's first fight. He Hmm. happened to lose. So this $120 poster, numbered to 125, issued by the UFC, WEC at the time, has Dustin Poirier's debut autograph on it from the night that he fought his first fight. And you remember the guy who got double need from Jose Aldo, Cub Swanson, who's also a top ranked fighter. He's on this card. You can go, you know, pull up, just type in Google WEC 50 and you'll see all the fighters who are on it. You're back in eBay, back up for a second. You know what I want you to put in? I want you to put in UFC Stockholm, UFC Stockholm. All right. And search and then pull up the highest poster. There you go. Right there. $500 on top. Click on that. So this was 2013. You had to be in Stockholm to get this poster. And this was Connor's first fight. 500 bucks, folks. Buy it now or make an offer. I think he signed on this poster on Gustafson's neck. So if you bl- blow that up, you'll have Connor's first autograph. See that hollow? That, that shows you the number. Numbered out of 125, 83 out of 125, or whatever that number says on there. UFC. 34, yep. 34 out of... Connor debut auto before any tops autos before any prism autos the first night he fought there it is signature right across the neck there right on the seats 500 bucks or best offer Connor's first official licensed UFC autograph numbered to 125 for 500 bucks or best offer now a couple fun things about this not as easy to display as a card right? It's bigger, you know, you'll get it and it'll be rolled up. You could probably frame it and put it up and it's a cool thing. But what happens if just like the tickets pick up or David Peck with his wrestling card picks up? What if, what if SGC starts grading posters? I mean, it's not that far of a stretch, right? There are some amazing 
music posters and movie posters. Imagine Woodstock posters, Beatles concert posters, you name it. Being there are collectors of these things out there, right? You know, original movie posters for Star Wars and stuff. The tough part, of course, is the slab. If you're going to slab it, maybe it's just created with a letter of authenticity. The shipping becomes an issue. But could you not see just a tiny little stretch of a grading company, grading posters, grading video games, right? Could this be the next category? And if it is, the UFC has a leg up because they've been doing these posters. There are UFC SEG era before Dana White. UFC won posters. You can, you can grab them. Now, those, they weren't signed by card because they weren't doing that at the time, but you can find one where people have had the whole card sign it. Um, there are older ones, um, big fights, small fights. What I like is if you do a little looking, like, you know, I haven't seen one, but you could probably find one. UFC on FX1 in I think 2012. Garbage fight. I think it was Melvin Gillard against Jim Miller. Nobody wants that poster. Who, who's ever heard of those guys? But there was this little-known fighter fighting on that card named Khabib Nurmagomedov. And you get his debut on a UFC on FX1, and no one's looking for that. Probably get it for 50 bucks, right? So here is a fun one. If you're a fan of the fights, if you're a fan of autograph collecting, you're a fan of these fighters, you're a fan of getting something that is limited, right? Numbered, right? Issued, licensed, all that stuff. And you can get a rookie. That event poster would be two years before Topps had a rookie auto of Khabib. That same thing, that 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 poster of Connor is years before Topps put his auto out there, right? Because these guys, they're no names. Nobody knew who they were. They're fighting on undercards of these things. You know, that 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 one with Poirier, come on, he's far down there. He lost to somebody I don't even remember who he lost to in that fight. It's a cool way of getting a collectible of of somebody who's a star now, somebody who's the name of it. You know, you want your Anderson Silva? Trust me, there's plenty of them. You know, you want to get crazy with this? There are pride posters from Japan. There are old S old UFC posters. That's crazy. People collect these things. So some of them are not exactly cheap, but when you compare them to the price that people are paying for cards, you compare these to what people are paying for like Connor autos or Khabib autos on prism cards. I saw a post from Sasha T the other day. Fantastic. I mean, you know, great post. It's great that he's doing UFC. But anybody who collected UFC cards and sees him post um, um, what was a round four base card of Joe Rogan in PSA 8, like I probably had 4,000 of those cards that I threw in my garbage when I opened those packs. Because who the hell wanted a Joe Rogan card with ding corners? It was a base card. It was crap, right? It's still crap. And, you know, people didn't hang on to them. Trust me, there's plenty of those out there. That's not a card that's scarce because it's scarce. But these are, these are 125 of them. So it's just one of those things, guys, you know, you might think of it and say, wow, this is stupid. It's not a card. I can't display this. I'm not going to be able to go get it graded, PSA slabbed. But think about the entry point here. You are a Poirier guy, 120 bucks. First fight. You know, and there's plenty of them out there. Pick your guy. Go type into Google, you know, John Jones's UFC debut. Put the event in, throw it up on UFC, and pick your guy's debut poster. I've been engaging with a guy on Instagram who I met at National. I think it's Riverfront Collectibles. I could could be wrong, but like he, had a, he has a good post that, I, and I'm thinking a lot more about it is um, how you have to have conviction in where the market's going before the market goes there. And that's where the best investors make their money. Uh, apes and punks are one example of that. Final game tickets are another example of that. Uh, I think w- this is one of that as well, right? Like, who would have thought 30 years ago that final game tickets would be graded and then sold for hundreds of thousands of dollars? Probably no one. 
someone maybe in 1995 bought that Michael Jordan ticket, his first game debut, maybe like 350. That's probably huge money then, right? Yep. Same thing with this. Like right now, there's no market for it, but UFC is growing. These guys, you know, who knows who the MJ and Kobe and Shaq of the UFC is going to be, right? You kind of only knew that moving forward, right? Like when Kareem was playing, just playing. Um, so it's it's one that's probably like a five to ten year play. But if it hits, you're one hundred and thirty dollar investment, and you could probably grab a few of these, right? Like yeah, Khabib, yeah. Connor, you could yeah. pick your guys. Grab this Ronda is, Rousey when she fought in Strike Force to begin her career. Right. You know what I mean? When she's lower on the card, you know, when she's starting her win streak before she gets into the UFC. And and then people start going after it. This does this is a ten thousand dollar poster, you know, it just it's 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 interesting how these ancillary markets develop. And think about the the scarcity number to one twenty five and only sold at the event. Right. So for Connor's debut, you had to be in Stockholm. <laughs> you had to be in Stockholm to get this. Right? And who goes to Stockholm? Great question. Will be somebody who sold it out after. I mean, the, the, you understand the point. It's an event specific thing, just like a ticket. You know what I mean? So it's um, I put tickets aren't numbered. This, you know the universe, you know the quantity, you know what's going on out there. They're individually numbered. Um, and, you know, usually they're being bought by fight fans who are not going to be, you know, ready to part with them. Um, I will tell you, there's also a market for this. So I mean, you talk about how, like, you know, there wasn't a market for tickets and stuff. I know people who have spent thousands of dollars on early Pride posters because they're cool. They're pieces of art. Like, pull up, you know, SGC. I mean, pull up in, um, not SGC. Um, pull up, you know, Pride. Pride Grand Prix on eBay. You know, there's some really cool ones where they don't even have the fighter. They have, you know, like the gloves with like a butterfly, you know, or, you know, you just put like, just type in Pride poster and see like the most expensive ones that come up because they're really rare. You had to be in Japan in the 90s. There, there's not that many of them that survived in, in great shape, but just to put in, uh, put in Pride poster. Pride or Grand Prix poster would be good too because Pride, you might get different kinds of Pride parade posters. Um, Are you spell creep? P R I X. No, there's one right there, the blue one. By the way, that's one of my favorites. It's kind of disgusting. Click on it. This right here. Yeah. What is this? Oh, that's that's the clouds. That's not the one I was thinking about. That's the clouds in the mountains. So that's just Japan Pride Grand Prix. Go go down even further. That's a 2006 open weight Grand Prix. Go uh, sort by highest priced. Hopefully you're watching this on YouTube because this is fun, guys. So scroll down. There's a Fedor one. There doesn't even there's not even a lot here on eBay, which is amazing. Um, <laughs> there's the one that I was thinking of. It's uh, it's reproductive. So just yeah, pride pride fight poster. I'm trying to think what else might be there. But there's another one. There's a couple of them. That's a. They're also have programs that the programs aren't numbered. Yeah, scroll down. So there, there's the first one, right? That's Gracie Sakuraba. Those are the cards I talked about. The Pride card. That's uh, that's Ninja Hua. That's his first. That's his first card there. There's a ticket sign. Looks like a ticket was graded there by BGS. Mm-hmm. It's a Grand Prix card. Um, some of the cool Japanese posters are. They sell for a lot of money. There's, you know, the, it doesn't seem to be too many of them on eBay, probably because people have pulled them off uh, uh, <laughs> and already taken them down, and they're in private collections. But yeah, I mean, the, the point is, there's already 
is already a collector base for these things. Um, there might be a different collector base who is collecting the Japanese ones from 30 years ago than they are looking for Khabib's debut. But point is, guys, you can get in one of these of your favorite fighter or of the fighter, Connor, for a couple hundred bucks. Give it a shot. It's a low-risk, potential high reward. Your conviction thing is why I brought up somebody like David Peck or Darren Ravel who are in these things that not everybody was collecting. Correct. But can't you see this making sense? You know, it's licensed, it's issued, it's got all the autographs on it, it's got a specific date from that event, and, um, you know. I think UFC is, is a brand that's probably the strongest brand. It's like an emerging nation, you know. NBA, NFL, or like uh, the USA, but UFC is like China who wants to dethrone us. Maybe a, a weird comparison, but uh, UFC is on the up and up, and they have a very, very passionate fan base, a motivated CEO, money behind them, distribution with ESPN. I would not mess with uh, UFC, and they didn't lose their fans because these leagues, believe it or not, they've lost a lot of fans in the last two, three, four years with all their political nonsense. UFC said, screw that. We're just men and women fighting in a ring. We're not going to get into politics. We're sport. And I think you've seen the growth. Uh, I think boxing has seen that growth too. So uh, I, betting on that sport is smart in my opinion. Bro. There you go. There you go, sis. Thank you for spending some time with us on another episode of the Lucas Tigers and Bronze Oh My podcast. Um, do us a favor and like, subscribe. Now, you know what? Don't just like and subscribe. Everybody does that. If you like us, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your enemies, tell everybody. And uh, we hope you got something from spending some time with us today, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.